BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, you see them regularly and give a smile or nod or have a quick chat. They're the barista at the coffee shop, the parent in the school pickup line, or the supermarket checkout person. That loose network of acquaintances or even familiar strangers is more important than you might think. Research has consistently shown they improve our well-being. So at a time when more Americans are feeling lonely and isolated, we take a closer look at the power of the casual acquaintance and even the value they provide that some close friendships may not. Join us. I'm Mina Kim. Welcome to Forum. In a world where it's become harder to have intimate friendships, it might be comforting to know that you can get a lot from interacting with acquaintances. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy has been sounding the alarm for some time about our nation's loneliness epidemic, and for good reason. It can profoundly affect our mental and physical health. But don't discount the power of interacting with the waiter who knows your usual, the person you see regularly at the dog park, or even just nod and smile at on the morning bus or afternoon walk, they do make us happier. And listeners, if there's someone like this in your life that you want to tell us about, we'd love to hear about it. You can post on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or email forum at kqed.org, or call us at 866-733-6786, And joining me now is Dr. Jillian Sandstrom, a psychologist and director of the Sussex Center for Research on Kindness at the University of Sussex. Welcome to Forum, Dr. Sandstrom. Hi, thanks for having me. Really glad to have you. You have researched and written extensively on the importance of acquaintances in our lives. And I love that it truly was an acquaintance who inspired your research. Can you tell us about her? <laughs> yeah, so I um, started a master's degree and it was at um, a university in downtown Toronto, big city. And um, I would walk from between a research lab on campus and my supervisor's office. And when I did that, like I said, it was downtown in a city and I would pass this hot dog stand. And I sort of accidentally developed a relationship with the lady who worked at the hot dog stand. And so I, I, I never spoke to her, but every time I walked past, I would smile and wave and she would smile and wave back. And it got to the point where I realized 
how good it made me feel. I just had a little bounce in my step after I saw her. And if, if she was missing for some reason, I I felt sort of unsettled. Um, And it just really made a difference to me feeling like I belonged on campus. What made you realize that this could lead to an area of study for you? I mean, I didn't for a long time because I was studying something else. But when I started my PhD, um, I was in a lab that studies happiness. And my supervisor said, you know, what would you like to study? What makes you happy? And after I thought about it for a bit, um, my answer was the hot dog lady makes me happy. And I think my supervisor is quite confused by this answer. Um, but she she helped me figure out a way to sort of turn it into an area of research. Yeah. So what what defines an acquaintance or, or a so-called weak tie as as folks like to say? I mean, the way I think of it is it, 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 it there's quite a wide range of people that fall under that category. Um, the, at the lowest end, you know, the one baby step up from a complete stranger would be someone like the hot dog lady. So you don't need to know their names, but there needs to be mutual recognition. I think that's the key thing that distinguishes it from a stranger. And just having that very, you know, minimal connection is just psychologically such a huge step. That's a relationship. It, it's maybe not the same kind of relationship as the one with your close friends and family, but it, it is a real relationship with, with psychological consequences. But I think it also ranges all the way up to people that you might see and talk to every day. Um, you know, if you're a parent and you drop off a kid at school and you see the same other parents and you always say hello and you know quite a bit about them, but maybe you just don't feel that same emotional connection that you do to the people that you feel are in your inner circle. And what do they give us? What are the benefits that we might be surprised to learn from this range of folks that we engage with on a fairly regular basis? Well, in the research I've done, I found that people are just just like I was with the hot dog lady. People are in a better mood um, when they um, connect with more weak ties. Um, so people who on average have more weak ties in their lives tend to be a little bit happier on average than people have fewer Um, But also, regardless of how you compare to other people, on days when you tend to interact with more of your weak ties than you usually do, you tend to be a little bit happier. Um, So so that's one thing. I think what it comes down to is a feeling of connection. And there's lots of research in psychology about how important it is to have this sense of belonging, Um, not just a, it's not just a nice to have, it's really a a fundamental thing we cannot sort of thrive as humans um, without satisfying that need to belong. Yeah, really boosts your mood, as you were saying, whenever you saw the hot dog lady. And I bet that mood boost can go pretty far over the course of a day. I think so. And I think, you know, the nice thing about weak ties is we often have quite a few of them. So, you know, you kind of bounce from one to the other as you go through your daily patterns. And it doesn't matter if you're an introvert, someone who doesn't really like social interaction or can feel a little uncomfortable being recognized. I'm an introvert myself. <laughs> um, being in a like a you know a noisy group environment, you know, I just sort of fade into the corner. I, I've never felt super comfortable around other people, but I, th- I think this kind of interaction almost suits um, suits introverts because you know you can just have a little chat and then move on. It doesn't have to feel you know it feels a little bit like the lower, the stakes are a little bit lower. You don't have to worry so much if something goes wrong. Um, Yeah, it's just a little less scary somehow. 
We're talking with Jillian Sandstrom about the value of having acquaintances. And you, our listeners, are sharing the value that they've had in your life. Ted writes, for years, I took the 1BX bus in San Francisco at 5.30 a.m. Every day, I would see the same guy. We'd nod at each other and read our phones, never exchanging more than that nod. But it was always nice to see him. There was someone who was also an early riser who had to be at the office at the crack of dawn. Years later, I was at a Christmas party and there was the bus guy. <laughs> Turns out we had mutual friends and now we run in the same social circles and I see him around town. It's a small world for sure. Love and, it. <laughs> you know, isn't that lovely? And Alice writes, everyone knows that the cashiers at Trader Joe's are friendly, helpful, and probably all screened for their extroverted personalities. But maybe not, right, Jillian, as we were just saying? Right. <laughs> but I have a favorite checker, and I will make a point to go to her line. She always has something positive to say about my grocery choices, and she really loves TJ's frozen spinach pies. Shout out to Cynthia. Oh, she got the Aww. name of her favorite checker. <laughs> there were a couple of studies or actually so many studies that have done that have been done on this, but um, but some that I think really do show you and demonstrate the benefits of this. Do you want to share some that you have done that are your favorites that really, you know, proved in many ways that that you can derive a lot from weak ties? Sure. I can I comment on the bus one? Oh, please. <laughs> I had, I had a funny experience with the, I've had people over the years that I've met on buses and sort of become friendly with, or even the people that you don't talk to, but you just see them over and over again. And I remember after some time had passed, I saw someone that I knew from the bus, but I couldn't remember how I knew them. And so I waved at them and, and I had never spoken to them. So it turned into this very kind of awkward moment because it, it, it can feel like, you know, someone when you don't, when you haven't even ever spoken to them. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get the chance to turn it into something more like, like your listener's story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um regarding yeah. the research. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I told you about the findings, but um, the, the study, the, this big study that I did um, involving weak ties, what I did is I asked students first, and then I ran it again with uh, members of the community. Uh, but I got students to carry around these little clickers, little tally counters, little devices. Today, we do it on the phone, but <laughs> a little device that you click and it just um, increments a counter. And so they carried around two of them and I got them to click every time that they talk to someone throughout the day. And they had one to count when they talked to um, strong ties, so close friends and family. And then they had a separate one to count every time they talked to a weak tie. Um, and, and what we found is what I mentioned before, that both people who on average had more interactions with weak ties were happier, but also on days when you have more interactions with weak ties, you tend to be happier. I was also struck by another study that was described in a recent New York Times piece called They May Be Just Acquaintances, They're Important to You Anyway. And this was one that followed, I guess, um, a sample of more than 800 people in Detroit over 23 years. And they had people like draw concentric circles that, that arranged people in their lives based on their closeness. And that... Mm -hmm over time, the number of weak ties actually more strongly predicted well-being than the number of close ties. What do you think is behind that? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking. Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I think 
you know, strong ties, we we never have that many of them. We tend to have a, a small handful um, and, and just having a single one can make a giant difference. Um, but maybe once that need is filled, you know, you're okay, right? Um, so may, maybe having that that wide network, um, you know, just sort of fills out your life. Um, yeah. I, I kind of, I used a metaphor once about like sort of the, the fabric, uh, your social network's kind of like a fabric that you're woven into. Um, and so, you know, you have your your strong ties, that's only going to be a few threads, right? But the, all the weak ties are, are what kind of really sort of enmesh you in your community. I mean, it, it, I think, you know, it feels so different to walk around your your neighborhood and be able to smile and wave to the neighbor and the person at the shops and just feel like you've been seen and recognized and that you are part of that community. It just makes a massive difference. Hmm. To, I love to that. Feel that. Yeah, I love that so much because you're absolutely right. I have a lot of very close ties, but they live far away. But the but the everyday ties enmesh you in your community, as you say. Um, this listener, Eva, writes, the school crossing guard lady. <laughs> She's there every morning, attentive, alert. And when there is downtime, she reads a book at her station with her stop sign in one hand and book in another. I don't even know if Eva interacts with her so much, but it sounds like <laughs> Eva derives great joy from seeing the crossing guard lady. Nice. Um, well, let me invite listeners again to share who are the acquaintances or familiar strangers in your life that you see regularly but don't really know. How do they affect you? How do they, these interactions with them, if you have them, keep you feeling connected? You can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. You can give us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. We're talking with Jillian Sandstrom, psychologist and director of the Sussex Center for Research on Kindness at the University of Sussex in the UK. And we're talking with you. More after the break. I'm Mina Kib. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Today we're talking about the power of casual 
Acquaintances with Dr. Jillian Sandstrom, psychologist and director of the Sussex Center for Research on Kindness. She's written extensively on the importance of acquaintances in our lives. And with loneliness and isolation on the rise, acquaintances might be one way to get the connection you need. You know, Dr. Sandstrom, I read about a 2021 poll that found that young adults are almost twice as likely likely to report feeling lonely as those over age 65, but we also know that seniors also struggled a lot. I'm wondering how much the pandemic you think played a role in this or what impact you feel like the pandemic had. Yeah, I mean, I can say that there's been a lot of, I've had a lot of media requests (laughs) through the pandemic. And I Hmm. think it's because, you know, thank you to technology. Um, We have most of us have managed to keep in touch with the people we're really close to, but instantly we were all cut off from all of our week ties, just all at the same time um, because of lockdowns. And, you know, we couldn't go about our daily patterns, which is how we encounter most of the week ties that we have. And so I think, I hope um, people really noticed this and sort of paid attention maybe for the first time about how important these relationships are. We just maybe don't notice most of the time. I think anybody who's moved to a new city um, will will know that feeling that you've left behind not only the people that you were, that you knew really well, but also everybody who knew who you were is gone. Um, and so I think, you know, there's these certain moments where, where we have a bit more visibility into how important acquaintances can be for us. Yeah, things are getting a a little bit better, of course, as more people emerge into the world, even as the pandemic still affects us greatly. Um, but I do think people, I have heard from people who feel like their their social skills have atrophied a little bit <laughs> in that time and that they even struggle some to, to do the casual nod, smile, or to chat somebody up. What do you think is operating there? I mean, I think I think that it's easy to feel when you haven't talked to someone for a while. They they maybe feel a bit closer to a stranger than to someone that you actually know. Um, and I've done a lot of research as well on on talking to strangers and and what people are worried about. And and you know, we worry about a lot of things. And I think again, it comes back to this this fundamental need to belong. It's so important to us that we're hypersensitive about any any messages of rejection and we can be really fearful of putting ourselves forward socially because if something goes wrong um and we're rejected it it just has such huge consequences so we can be very fearful what has your research taught you about the likelihood of rejection though in those instances it's actually quite low i mean if you think about it when um you know people are generally polite. So if, if you if you talk to someone, they're going to talk back. Um, but yeah, in, in my research, you know, I had people, um, I, I did a study where I had people talk to a stranger every day for a whole week. So in total, there was over a thousand conversations that people had. Um, and, and people were rejected less than 10% of the time. It was just really rare. And I think even then, if you, if, what does rejection look like? If you try to talk to somebody that you don't know very well and they don't want to talk to you, it doesn't, in some ways, it doesn't need to feel as awful as if it's someone that you do know who's rejecting you, right? Because you know, it's like, okay, whatever, that person didn't want to talk to me. Okay, I'll just talk to the next person. Um, But it just, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, though, I like that. I love that point. If, 
in fact, you have that rare occurrence where someone does reject you. It's not like you've invested a ton, right? Um, well, it's, and not it, like it does, it's not necessarily personal even. Like, you know, you think you can come up with a million reasons why they might not want to talk to you. Maybe they're busy. Maybe they're stressed. Maybe their cat's at the vet and they're waiting for a call to hear how the cat is doing. Maybe they're really shy or maybe English isn't their first language and so they're anxious about being able to communicate properly. Like there's literally hundreds of reasons that they could have and none of them need to have anything to do with you. So it, it, I find it easy to just give people the benefit of the doubt and and not be too worried about it. Yeah, certainly not a judgment on you if they don't even know you very well. <laughs> um, let me go to caller Patricia in Concord, who's on the line. Patricia, you're on. Okay. Um, I, w I was at the cemetery because my son had passed away. And I met this lady that would walk the cemetery, and she was um, also seeing her son. And we just said hi, and we talked about, you know, our sons a little bit. And then the next time I went up to see Kevin, there was a note under, under the rock at the cemetery where he was buried right there. And it was from her saying how great it was to talk with me. So then I wrote a note to her and put it underneath the rock. And then she got my note. And the next time I went, there was another note. So I have just many, many notes that are so emotional and so beautiful. And we became very, very close friends. And we just loved one another. And uh, we shared life in our notes, too, not just all the bad things, but the good things. And then we ended up meeting for Sundays at the ice cream store at Walder Creek. Aww. And we, we got closer. We got closer then. <laughs> we were really dear friends. Oh, I love that so. story so much, Patricia. Thank you for sharing it. Oh, you're welcome. Bye-bye. It is really lovely, isn't it, um, when when acquaintances naturally evolve into a strong tie. I mean, we we're talking about how they don't have to necessarily, and you can derive a lot of benefit. But uh, I imagine that happens quite a bit, Jillian. I mean, I think that's the natural progression of things, right? Everybody that you are close to now, you probably you weren't close to at some point, right? And you didn't know them at some point before that. So I think there is that sort of natural progression. But but like you said, I think it's really important not to not to necessarily expect that to happen. And I think it's perfectly okay to have people never turn into weak ties, just stay passing, you know, a stranger that you say hi to once. I think that's fine. And you can still derive some benefits from that and staying in the weak tie territory and never moving on to strong tie is also okay. Yeah, because let's be honest with, with really deep friendships. I have heard people say that they only have so much time, energy, and effort that they can give to a lot, you know, to close relationships. And so to really make sure that they are able to give them the attention that they need, they're not necessarily craving turning everything into a into a deep friendship per se. Yeah, absolutely. And there's emotional costs too, right? Because if you're close with someone, you have to deal with all their bad stuff, as well as all the wonderful things that come with that closeness. Yeah, it it, and it is so striking to me, some of the benefits we derive, as you say, from acquaintances that we don't really derive from friendship. One of the ones that you pointed out is they can really expand um, our worlds, expose us to something different. Why is that? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, so this idea again came from uh, the the term weak tie was coined by a sociologist at Stanford named Mark Granovetter back in the 70s. And he did a, a, a study way back then showing that people were more likely to find a new job through their weak ties rather than their strong ties. And so strong ties are obviously highly motivated to help you, but they know all the same people that you do. Um, uh, <laughs> so it was really the weak ties that sort of expanded your reach and gave you access to, to different things that you may not have known about. And actually that study was replicated uh, just very recently using data from LinkedIn, a little bit more nuanced than before. You had to have, you know, it couldn't be the weakest of weak ties that that wasn't particularly helpful, but it, there was still evidence that, that weak ties were helping people find jobs. So more broadly than that, it's just access to um, different information. And so there's also some studies showing that people are more creative uh, people who have weak more weak ties tend to be more creative as judged by their supervisors at work. And I think, again, that comes from just having access to a wider range of information and, and being able to make connections. Because we tend to cultivate friendships with like-minded people, essentially, mm -hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Zisner writes, our family goes to the same dim sum restaurant every Sunday. We know most of the waiters by name, but our favorite is Ed. He has seen our kids grow up, and the first time he waited on us, he mentioned that his son had been born a few days earlier. So we've heard about his kid who is now 16 and in high school. Seeing Ed weekly is just part of our family routine, and I don't know what we'd do without it. <laughs> Uh, I, I had yeah. I had an Al in my life, um, <laughs> a favorite waiter at a place that I'd go to regularly for breakfast. And I saw him over the course of doing my PhD. I would go there quite regularly for breakfast. Um, and, and Al was, just had the best life philosophy. He was just the coolest person. Um, and so, you know, I was meeting a friend there, but, you know, Al, it was like meeting a second friend by seeing Al there every day. And when I, when I graduated and I got my PhD, Al, Al bought me my breakfast. What was Al's life philosophy or view of life that you love? So oh, he 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 just you know picked a job that made him happy rather than you know he'd started off in some completely other field and he just wasn't it just wasn't for him and so he was had given up the salary to to take a job that that made him happy and he got a chance to talk to people as a waiter and he was just he just yeah he just just a happy. Happy guy. <laughs> Let me go to caller Paul in San Mateo on the line. Hi, Paul. You're on. Hi. I love the conversation. Um, I wanted to tell you about some incident that happened in 2011. My family, we were living in New York City, outside of New York City in Westchester County. I used to take the same train into the city every morning. I think it was the 8-11. 9-11 came about, and my schedule completely changed because I had client needs, and I had to go in earlier. So I started taking, for probably two weeks, a different train earlier in the morning. So about two weeks later, I got on my regular train, sat down, and a woman came up to me and said, Thank God you're alive. I thought you were dead. Oh. Wow, you were really seeing it Paul. It still fills me with this emotion today. You know, it's it's just how we connect as human beings unknowingly. You know, and when she came up to me, I started calling. I said, thank you, I am alive. And uh, it was just reminded me of the importance of even those things we don't know, we don't see. We don't acknowledge every day that they happen around us. And, and it would 
it's what makes us fully human beings. Yeah. Oh, Paul, that's a really lovely story. Um, the hairs yeah. have gone up on the back of my neck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if people are also even shy about interacting with the person that they know on the train, you know, that person saying that um, to Paul, uh, you know, brought him so much joy and, and you can still hear the impact that, that it has on him. Yeah. Um, so many. It's the tiniest things, right? Uh, there's, you know, there's a research study that that um, had people walk past each other, and the experimenter either made eye contact with someone or didn't. Um, and something just as tiny as looking someone in the eye made a difference. It made people feel more connected. Well, Pete tweets, what is behind the satisfaction of weak ties? Compassion and empathy without the baggage? <laughs> I guess we have been kind of saying that in different ways, Jillian. Yeah, I think I think in a way you don't you don't have baggage with weak ties. You don't have the the memories of all the times that someone said something, you know, not so carefully or, you know, upset you or let you down or, you know, it, it you don't have all that sort of heavy stuff that that comes with with close friends. So you can just have a little pleasant moment and walk away and just just have the good parts <laughs> that's not to say that you shouldn't have close friends strong guys are super important so don't get me wrong <laughs> right no no i i mean i don't think you can necessarily replace the strong tie and whatever value that you derive Absolutely from not. it <laughs> but i think what i found so comforting about this especially as we are seeing these polls and hearing more about people who feel isolated or don't have strong ties. We actually did a show about why it's so hard to make friends, why people find it so mm -hmm. hard to make friends. Um, and realizing that, you know, if you're a good acquaintance, and you have uh, a lot of these lovely acquaintance interactions that that those can be fulfilling in their own way and, and have a, a, a deep power on others too, in, in ways that we may be discounting. I think that's the part of it that really drew me to this topic, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I heard that from another um, listener, reader, I can't remember, um, who took the time to email me and said, thank you, because he felt like he had lots of acquaintances and he had this rich social life, but he felt like he'd been getting that message that because he didn't have close people in his life, other than his his wife, um, that, that there was something wrong. And he said that he felt like this discussion kind of gave him permission, like that it was okay that, you know, that all these other people that, that he spends time with really count as well. Hmm. We're talking that really about struck me. Yes, I, I exactly. I, I'm not surprised to hear that this person said that, you know, because I have definitely heard that from folks. Um, again, Jillian Sandstrom is director at the Sussex Center for Research on Kindness at the University of Sussex in the United Kingdom, a psychologist telling us about the value of having acquaintances, nodding to your fellow commuter, saying hi to the person in the dog park, and all the ways they contribute to a happier life. Speaking of dog park, Mary writes, been going to the same dog park with my pup for years. I know all the folks by sight, and I know their dog's names, but I don't know the owner's names. We'll just have conversations <laughs> about Nellie, Jesse, Jax, and Tigger. But it's almost like a rule. We don't ever talk about anything except the dogs. <laughs> uh, let me go to Pulkita in San Jose. Hi, Pulkita. Join us. 
Hi, good morning. Uh, it's very interesting topic today. I'm listening. Heading to the work, I work in Macy's Valley Fairs in Jose, California as a customer experience lead. And I see so many customers coming in. When you just say hi to them, it makes us make so much difference. Um, you greet them and you will see the face smiling, inviting. Even it, it interchanges entire environment. And mm. it makes them smile. And their smiles makes us smile too. It's a return. It's like interchanging and it's mutual. And in that way, the relationship goes on. You know the people which you don't know. You remember their names. And it makes it so much difference. Yeah. Uh, and you learn their own different ideas and how the things are going on. And you make it so much different friends in the form of even though you are unknown to that person. Yes. Uh, it really does make the world, thank you, Polkita, it really does make the world feel like a more benevolent place, uh, it sounds like, Jillian. Yes, yeah, and, I, and I, think, I think it's so easy these days to forget that people that we're dealing with in, you know, in that kind of situation, like at Macy's or, or other places, that, that it's actually another human that you're talking to, you know, like it, it's easy to just think I'm going to the coffee shop and I, I'm just there to get my coffee and you forget that it's a, an actual human being who's making you your coffee. And it doesn't take any longer to just have a little chat and, and have the, that moment of connection. We can, we don't have to just be all about efficiency and, you know, instrumental purposes. Well, Darlene writes so many bartenders throughout the years. Once I became a bartender myself, I realized they meet so many people. It's very challenging to remember so many names, but I always remembered my customers. And I like to think the bartenders I've gotten to know over the years felt the same. We're talking about the power of the acquaintance and we will have more with you after the break. Share with us the acquaintances or familiar strangers in your life, how they affect you. Tell us what your strategy is for chatting up a weak tie if ever you find that you want to do that. Um, or or if you've ever taken an acquaintance and turned that into a friendship, how did it go? Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Jillian Sandstrom is with us, a psychologist and director at the Sussex Center for Research on Kindness. I love that so much, the Center for Research on Kindness at the University of Sussex in the UK, who's written extensively on the importance of acquaintances in our lives. And you, our listeners, are helping us pay tribute to the acquaintances in our lives by calling 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You're also posting on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum and emailing forum at KQED qed.org lisa in san jose hi lisa who would you like to tell us Hello. about well i just want to share about our ice cream truck driver in our neighborhood in san jose he's my daughter's 20 so he's been around at least 20 years because that was her first experience with an ice cream truck was with him well about five or six years ago we just stopped seeing him and we were all in our neighborhood so worried like because mm. he didn't give us any heads up or anything like that. And so about a year later, he returned, and I can't tell you how excited we were. And it turned out he'd had some serious health issues. So we were all, like, we don't always buy ice cream from him, but sometimes we'll just, like, okay, give me a popsicle. We'll give him $20 or something like that just to show him that we appreciate him because he's also like a, like a neighborhood watch. But we didn't realize how important he was until he was gone for that year. Oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> and I, I bet your ice cream person was just like so moved by that. <laughs> I, I hope so. I mean, he's just, He's just a lovely, quiet man. And, you know, we will see him driving if we're driving and just wave. And, you know, even if he drives by our house and we don't get ice cream, we just we just wave to each other and acknowledge one another. And uh, I hope he stays around for a lot, a lot longer. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thanks for sharing that story. Um, Aaron writes, I have found as a teleworker that I miss my day-to-day interactions with acquaintances, which boosted my happiness significantly. Additionally, I have an older mother who is housebound. This program is also helping me understand the importance of trying to get her out into the world and how much those small interactions play a role in her happiness. Thank you for the thought-provoking program. I'm wondering if it is hard to get out into the world. Um, Does social media count as a weak tie, somebody that you have sort of a digital... Uh, interaction with? And if so, how? How do they become meaningful in that way? Yeah, I don't know of any research that's been done along those lines, but I, I don't, I mean, in in some ways, I don't see why they couldn't count. <laughs> um, you know, like, I, I think plenty of people play video games online, and they actually communicate with each other and get to know each other. Um you know, I, I've sent thank you messages to people for posting, you know, who have beautiful Twitter threads where they're posting, la- you know, beautiful landscape photos. And I feel like, you know, I, I have a, a little mini relationship with with them. And I, I think any kind of moment of human connection counts. Yeah. Well, let me go to caller Leslie in San Francisco. Hi, Leslie, you're on. Hi. Well, speaking about connection, I have found one of the easiest ways to 
establish that moment of connecting with people is just finding something to compliment people on. You don't have to know them. You just have to come in contact with them. You see somebody wearing something that appeals to you or doing something that means something to you, and you just take that moment to, to say that. And I just see people brighten immediately when I do that, and it's a really kind of quick fix for me, too. Yeah. Well, Leslie, thanks thanks for sharing that. Um, what is your strategy, Jillian, for sort of interacting or, or maybe chatting up a weak tie or, or engaging in that conversation with a familiar stranger? I guess when, when I approach uh, a, a stranger, I have sort of two main strategies. One is to comment on something that we have in common. Um, and I think that's why people talk about the weather so often. Um, <laughs> but you can also just point out something in your shared environment. So I've been, you know, walking in the park and I'll point out some spring flowers that are poking up and bring someone's attention to them. So you can you can sort of force it, even if the other person isn't noticing what you have in common. Um, and then the second thing is um, just to, tap into your curiosity. And I think actually a compliment sort of relates to that because I think people often interpret a compliment as a question. Um, you know, they might feel like you're asking where did they get those earrings or why did they choose to have that particular tattoo? Um, but I've, I've started lots of conversations by just asking people, what you doing? Because um, I've seen people, you know, I saw a lady who was who was sort of up close and had picked up the bottom of a leaf on a bush. And I thought, what the heck is she doing? Um, and so I asked her something about insects. Um, and then I, I've asked, you know, people taking pics. I saw a man taking a picture. It looked like he was taking a picture of, of a, you know, chain link fence. And I thought, why on earth would he be doing that? So I was just like, hey, what are you doing? Um, and yeah, I've had lots of uh, conversations because of that. So it's just, you know, taking an interest and asking people ab about themselves. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing? What a great way to also derive that benefit that you were saying of really expanding and being exposing to things, exposed to things that you may not know in your everyday. Yeah, I've learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this listener writes, thank goodness for this point of view. I have been considered weird by the more reserved because I seldom return to my home without several chats with strangers or those in neighborhood shops. Just a day ago, I met a 90 year old man at the dry cleaners. A spirited conversation ensued about his having grown up in London during the war, my visit there in 1948, our families, our love of poetry. I think the key is to notice who is mm. around you. Absolutely. Renee writes, every day on my morning run, I see an older man at the top of the hill and a woman carrying weights on my way down the hill. Based on our brief interactions, it doesn't seem like we share a mother tongue, but we always greet each other and it starts my day off right. Even though I don't know their names, seeing them and feeling seen by them makes me feel safer and connected to my neighborhood. Should I ask their names to deepen the connection? <laughs> Do you have any advice for Renee there, Jillian? It, I, I don't think it matters in terms of what the relationship feels like. Um, you know, ask them if you want. Don't ask them if you don't want. <laughs> Let me go to caller Pervy in San Mateo. Hi, Pervy, you're on. Hi. 
You know, this conversation is really fascinating. So we go into uh, pediatric cancer hospitals as artists. I run a nonprofit called Kids and Art Foundation. And, you know, I guess we are weak ties for these kids now that we know that term because as soon as we walk in the hospital waiting room, it changes the environment. It changes the atmosphere. They love seeing us every week. And it's these, you know, connections that we don't know all the kids. The kids don't know all, all of us, but we are the artists that come in yeah. and add, you know, awe and wonder in their life. Yeah, what a profound impact you must have, Pervy. Thank you so much for calling in. And, and Jillian, feel free to jump in if anyone is saying a comment or call that you that sparks a thought for you. But uh, let me go to Kim sure. and Martinez next. Hi, Kim. Hi. Um, I just wanted to comment on, you know, having watched several relatives move into assisted living or memory care as they get older, um, how important those weak ties are, because as we get older, our strong ties are gone from our lives. And um, we can't depend on those people to always be there for us and just to value those weak ties that we can make, you know, every day. That's a really good reminder, Kim. Absolutely. Yeah. Susan writes, my community actually expanded during COVID. The guy who walked his poodle every morning, the four-year-old who rode his scooter by every afternoon and yelled hello to my plants. I feel a bit lonelier post-lockdown because everyone has gone back to their busy, scattered lives. Aww. Um, yeah, I, I started during lockdown um, going for a walk and I've continued that almost every day since the lockdown started. Before then, I'd only go sort of sporadically. And then when we weren't allowed to, um, except to go for that one walk a day, I, I thought, well, if I'm allowed one walk a day, I'm going to take one walk a day. And I honestly think it made a huge difference to my mental health, just seeing other humans. And I mean, it was scary at first because I felt, you know, people are dangerous now. Um but I realized um, when I stopped to think about it that I could still smile and wave from a safe distance. And it, it just felt like we were sharing something. It felt the, the burden of living through a pandemic felt lighter because it was shared, you know, and yeah. I felt like we just we were seeing each other and, you know, silently just sharing that, like, what is happening and we're going to be OK. I just feel like it made the, the whole difference. Let me go to caller Nancy in Riverside. Hi, Nancy, you're on. Hi, Anina. Um, I, when I heard the woman a few minutes ago speak about smiling at people when they enter her shop, I remembered a poem that a yoga instructor once read at the close of the session, and I kept it, and I've shared it with friends, and, and I would like to read it if it's okay with you. It's about sure. smiles. Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay, it goes, smiling is infectious. You can Nancy, oh, no. did we lose you there? Dude. If we if we Hello? lost Yeah, Nancy, we lost you for a second. Let's see if we can keep you on this time. Go ahead. Okay. I'll start it again. Smiling is infectious. You catch it like the flu. When someone smiled at me today, I started smiling too. I passed around the corner and someone saw my grin. When he smiled, I realized I'd passed it on to him. I thought about that smile, then realized it's worth a single smile just like mine could travel around the earth. So if you feel a smile begin, don't leave it undetected. Let's start an epidemic quick and get the world infected. <laughs> 
Nancy, thanks for sharing that. Okay. I oh. I shared it when we get together at my college reunions. I just and it's so true. I like talking to the people at Trader Joe's. It is a real pick me up in the day when I see people and talk to them. Mm. Well so, we thank you. Yes, thank you for sharing that. You are really making me smile right now. And also, Jillian, it just really underscores what you were saying at the very beginning of the show, which is that a nod or a smile or exchange like that can qualify as an acquaintance. Um, Absolutely. And so people who are especially sort of nervous or shy about talking to people, that's the way to start. I think the first step is to start by just noticing that there are people all around you and that people are actually pretty friendly and, and would be open to talking. Even if you don't feel like you're able to do that, noticing is the first step. And then, and then you can work your way up with, you know, a smile and a nod, um, and, and hopefully, eventually, you'll feel brave enough to have a little chat, too. Well, we are talking about the value of connection. And this happens to be a fundraising period for many public radio stations. You are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. You know, the comment from Renee is staying with me a little bit where she was asking about whether or not she should ask the people who she smiles at regularly and sees and feels safer having seen them when Renee's out on a run, because I, I wonder if people are reluctant to change some kind of magic in the acquaintance or mm. the interaction, uh, the casual familiar stranger interaction by actually engaging in a conversation with somebody. Have, yeah. you, have you seen that, Jillian? I mean, I, I've sort of heard that from people that, you know, they might, um, wait in a in a line for the same bus but they're afraid to say anything to that person that they've seen over and over because then they might feel stuck and like they have to talk to them every time that they see them and they're not sure that they're going to want to do that um so i get that i think that's why people on an airplane maybe don't talk to the person sitting next to them until the flight is 15 minutes away from landing um, you know because you don't want to get stuck in that in that situation um, but I, I think that kind of comes back to how hard it is for us to to get out of a conversation. I think I, I personally find it super easy to start a conversation now, but I still find it really difficult to end a conversation politely. <laughs> it's just a really hard thing to do. But I think we just need to get more comfortable with that. Like just, you know, being honest, being polite, saying thank you. I enjoyed talking to you, but, um, you know it's time for me to move on or, you know, I need to do something else. Um, we don't, most of the time I've run these, how to talk to strangers workshops. And when people brainstorm how to, how to end conversations, they basically lie. It's, it's a lot of white lies. So, you know, Oh, I have to do this. I have, you know, Oh, I have a phone call. Oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Um, that's what we tend to do to end a conversation. And I think we don't, we don't, that's fine. But also we could just be honest and, and, you know, acknowledge and thank someone for their time, but, um, you know, be explicit that we have to, you know, it's time to do something else. Yeah, I, I think you're right. We do just have to get over that, especially as we're hearing just how beneficial it is both to our well-being, but the well-being of others around us as well. So <clears throat> for yes, sure. thank you for pointing that out, because that's important to mention that, like, if you reach out and, and, pass that smile around or say hi to people. It, it benefits you like we've been talking about, but it also benefits the other person. So you're, you're really doing an act of kindness that, that can make a difference in the world by doing this really small thing. Well, Michael tweets, our kids grew up going to Gus's market on hate street. Gus and Georgia made our city feel like a village. When they started walking alone, <clears throat> we told them to go into Gus's if they needed anything. Unfortunately, Gus is no longer with us, but our family has great memories of a great man. 
Oh. Let me go to Harriet in Novato. Hi, Harriet. You're on. Hi. Thank you so much for this wonderful show. Um, I had a story. Um, I was once driving in San Francisco with my grown daughter. She was driving and we were going through a rather bad area. And there was a man standing in a doorway, um, an elderly man, and he was dressed just so spectacularly, just spectator shoes and a long coat and a hat that was tilted just beautifully. Um, and we, my daughter said, let's tell him, let's tell him how great he looks. We both noticed him. And so we slowed down and opened the window and said, you look fantastic. And he just straightened up and I know he felt better. We loved it. We've talked about that since then, just how much fun that was. <laughs> and I've just found out, out and about my, uh, this same daughter sometimes says to me, mom, you talk to everybody, but um, I just have so much fun, you know, Telling someone, I'll often tell somebody, you know, like, I love that top you're wearing or your hair is so beautiful or whatever. And people just, I mean, how, how can they not like that? And I mean, and I'm sincere in what I'm saying. <laughs> so I just, I just enjoy that. Yeah. And you are. And they do too. <laughs> yeah. You're really perfectly yeah. um, making Jillian's point about just the well-being that it contributes to other people. Thank you, Harriet. Um, let me go to Jerry in Oakland. I'll try to squeeze Jerry in. Go ahead, Jerry. You're on. Yeah. Hi. Good morning. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, this is something that I've been thinking about for a very long time, um, and I'm really glad to hear that that sort of a lot of people are beginning to talk about this conversation I saw in the New York Times a few days ago. And I have I want to sort of take it into another into another slightly different realm, and that is that I've come to the conclusion that we, you know, we live in such a sort of siloed society where everybody's living in an echo chamber um, and hearing basically the things they want to hear, that talking to strangers is, a, in, in essence, gives us an opportunity to be able to really sort of identify how broad and how wide our world really is and how important that is. In fact, I've come to regard talking to strangers as being the singularly the most important social responsibility that I have. Oh, wow. Um, Frank, and, and I think that, that uh, you know, part of it is cultural. I think we live in a society which is quite reticent to do that. In other cultures, people talk much more openly. Most yeah. Other. Yeah. Well, this idea of it as a civic duty, that that does feel like it kind of counts. It definitely is a real social lubricant, Jillian Sandstrom. And thank you for, for doing so much research on that. It is truly my pleasure. It came, it's me search, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, are coming to the end of the hour, and I just want to thank our listeners for providing those experiences, tributes, and thoughts. And to thank so Grace Wan. So lovely to hear those stories. <laughs> yeah. Thank Grace Wan for producing today's segment. Forum is also produced by Caroline Smith, Rachel Vasquez, Marlena Jackson Rotondo, Susie Britton. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, Jim Bennett, and Christopher Beale. Our interns are Lulu Ralda and Jericho Reininger. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. Jillian. Sandstrom, thanks for connecting with us today. Thanks, listeners, for connecting with us always. I'm Mina Kim. Have a great weekend. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.